now it's kind of a split. It's a split 50-50. So now as ties happen, it's going to go to the vice president, which means a lot more of the Joe Biden policies that he had talked about that we thought would have a tough time making it through the Senate now have a much better chance of getting pushed through. So that was big news of the week. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui, today for State of the Market 65. Today's January 13th. We've already survived almost two weeks of 2021. And, you know, I didn't do a new show last week because I didn't quite know what we would do. Last week was one of the wildest weeks I've had in a really long time. And coming off of 2020, I think that is really a surprise. I mean, the, when we're talking news, state of the, our state of the markets, really, we try to talk real estate news. What's the news of the week and how is it going to impact you in your real estate business? Well, there was some really big news last week that's going to change all sorts of stuff for 2021. I'm going to do my best to try to go through some unique articles uh, that are out there today that were really released yesterday and today uh, with the news and how that will affect you in your real estate careers for 2021. Now, last week we had two big things happen, big political things happen that are going to impact a lot of what's going on for the next little while. So one was the Democrats won both Senate seats in Georgia. So my state of the market back in you know November and December said, hey, we're still going to have more Republican senators than Democratic senators in the Senate. And so we won't see a whole bunch of change with tax policy. Well, now I'm wrong. So now the now it's kind of a split. It's a split 50-50. So now as ties happen, it's going to go to the vice president, which means a lot more of the Joe Biden policies that he had talked about that we thought would have a tough time making it through the Senate now have a much better chance of getting pushed through. So that was big news of the week of you know stuff in December that we thought were going to be tax policies that were not going to impact anybody in 2021 now are going to. So that was first big news. Second big news, the very same day, President Trump, he had a, there was a huge, you know, a, a huge bunch of marchers there, a bunch of people out there. And, and you know, it, unless you're living in a hole, you saw what happened. And a bunch of people, a bunch of supporters kind of overtook one of the Capitol buildings. Now, I don't want to go through all of the different stories behind it, but it's there. But man, I saw so many posts online, so many posts on social media of people just completely disappointed with scenes like people knocking fences down and climbing steps and like breaking through the Capitol and doing selfies. Like now people are getting arrested. Today, they, the, the Democratic Congress voted to uh, impeach President Trump a second time. First time it's ever happened in history is for, is for that to happen. Now, I won't try to guess what will happen next with that because the last time I tried to make a political guess, uh, I got it wrong. And so what we're going to say is today, the, uh, you know, he got impeached again for the second time. And, but there are a lot of talks of people are asking, why would they try to do this right now? And how could that affect us in 2021? So, you know, as they move to a, a vote, 
they say, why would you impeach a president when he's already leaving? And the idea behind that is to prevent uh, him from running in the future, prevent him from getting his retirement. I think it's also just to make a political statement that says, you know, that people have to be held accountable for different things. And it is a, uh, yeah, personally, the, I think if you've got a president leaving in eight days, you don't have to worry too much about that. But there are people that definitely see the other side of that. And so it'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting few months because it could impact what legislators are working on for the first few months of a new president. And I think it would be a shame if they're working on that instead of uh, getting new policies in place that they were hoping. But all right, I promise that is as political as I'm going to get. And, and although I offered very little opinion in that, really just trying to restate the news. All right. So now with my first piece of other news, it's actually going to lead in with some of that. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. You guys are going to see the news articles I'm looking at if you're watching us on the YouTube page. But don't worry, if you're driving in your car or listening to the podcast, you're going to get just as much value out of this thing. Just when I'm doing the state of the markets by myself, I like to be able to share some of the videos uh, in case people want to see them. So first article, which goes in line with what happened last week, it says Airbnb to block and cancel all DC reservations ahead of the inauguration. So the risk of riots and violence has pushed Airbnb to block all DC rentals next week. So that's kind of crazy. So they said, hey, they're not going to let anybody, you know, book an Airbnb booking uh, during what's happening. Now, Airbnb did a lot of things out, out in California. They started sending notices out to people canceling reservations, you know, when there were lockdown orders in, in place as in specific counties where they said people were only allowed to travel for so there was no non-essential travel anymore. Uh, Airbnb actually shut shut down some of the listings and said no one is allowed to book over certain days and certain periods. And they even went and had and made sure that people changed their you know booking policies to make sure it was under ten people. Uh, if you had allowed events before, now you won't. This is an even bigger step of them really of of Airbnb saying, hey, and I think this is more of a liability thing. I think this is them saying, hey, if, if, if people are staying at our houses, there's a better chance that could lead to, you know, violence or damage or something. You know, Airbnb does a policy, uh, insurance policy for hosts. So if damage happens, you know, the Airbnb insurance policy can cover some of that. And I imagine when they looked at the risk, they said, hey, if we allow people staying in that, there's a potential for a lot of damage to happen while Airbnb guests are there. And so they took that risk. So I don't necessarily blame them for that risk. I think that is very, I mean, they're definitely trying to get ahead. I had mixed feelings about it when they did it in California and they started shutting down uh, what people were and weren't allowed to do. But also as a business owner, I could see them being proactive there is a safe bet. So it goes, in, that was a, an Inman article that came out yesterday or it came out today. And, and that was this morning and it had said Airbnb to block all uh, DC reservations. Next article along the same lines, Wall Street Journal. Uh, and it says more blue chip companies halt political donations after the Capitol riot. So the reason I wanted to tie this together, even though it's less real estate news, is Airbnb wasn't the first to do it. Actually, a lot of companies and a lot of businesses are doing it. It was such a strange week with showing how much uh, different businesses were really showing their political beliefs and what they wanted to do and what different things they were going to uh, support out there. You've got, you know, Twitter and Facebook banning people and taking them down and some people leaving and some people praising it and the power of big business in social media and the power of donors is really coming out right now. So they look at the businesses here. It says AT&T, GE, Amazon suspend giving to GOP group that sought to block electoral college certification of the Biden win. 
So a growing wave of big businesses are deciding to suspend or review campaign donations in the wake of last week's riot at the Capitol, with many saying they would stop donating to Republicans who objected election certification. So there was some, some Republicans last week that rejected the certification of the election, and people are saying they are not going to uh, support them anymore. Airbnb was the first one that caught my eye on it, but also AT&T, ConocoPhillips, down Facebook, United Parcel Service were among the other companies following last week's announcement from J.P. Morgan Chase and Citigroup, which said over the weekend they were halting donations to their PAC. Also, Amazon, Comcast, General Electric. I mean, the list goes on. If a Republican last week, if they went against it, and and what's the wording that they use there? So the people that rejected the electoral college certification, they are companies are going to you know make them pay for it. So companies are trying to show that hey, if if you disagree with us, we're definitely going to pull our funding the way they do that. So uh, really interesting. Next one was another. It says Airbnb halts donations to election objectors. News comes the number of major companies say they're suspending political campaign contributions. Airbnb will end political donations to the campaigns of candidates who voted against the certification of the election results after a mob of violent supporters of President Donald Trump broke into the Capitol building. So that was Airbnb's announcement from Monday tied into those first few articles. So that was on Inman. That came out on January 11th. So first article was Airbnb to block and cancel all DC reservations. Second was the article of the Wall Street Journal saying all these companies are going to stop donating. The reason I brought that into the news is the third article of Inman today uh, that first caught my eye on the subject was that Airbnb is halting donations to the election objectors. All right. Next piece of news. This was an Inman in the MLS and associations category came out today and it said Alabama and Georgia realtors pause efforts to stop eviction ban. So Alabama and Georgia realtors suspend their lawsuit against the Trump administration at least until February after legislation extends the moratorium. A federal court has granted a request from the Alabama Association of Realtors and the Georgia Association of Realtors to temporarily suspend their lawsuit against the Trump administration over a nationwide eviction ban that Congress has extended until the end of January. The trade groups will revisit the case at the beginning of February after the ban has expired or extended. So we've talked about it on here a lot right now. So there is an eviction ban. It's a nationwide eviction ban that's preventing evictions happening, the, especially if there's, you know, if, it, if there's a CDC order. So first there was an eviction ban that expired within a few months. And then they said what they, then they came up with a new one, which is a CDC form where someone fills out a form and says, if I get evicted, I'm going to be homeless. I have a better chance of catching COVID that automatically stops any evictions. Those were postponed first until January 4th. So we actually had some, some residents in some of the properties we owned back in September and October, turn in those forms. They haven't been paying rent since we thought that we were going to be able to go to eviction court January 4th and that got postponed again. And so now it's set to expire the end of January. And I think these realtors just said, Hey, because they're not going to vote on it anyway, I think they're going to wait to see if the Biden administration is going to do the same thing, if they're going to extend the eviction moratorium or come up with a different one. But that one, but they are now going to suspend it. And I, so I think with the suspension, it says that with the, new, with the transition to a new administration just days away and set to expire, we acknowledge that policy changes could be forthcoming on this and many other issues. With this in mind, Georgia Realtors filed for a temporary state to determine how to proceed based. Our goal is to navigate this matter in a prudent and mindful manner. So when they get a stay, it, it just means that you know in a month they can wait. The judge didn't have to grant that. The judge could have said, no, you have to proceed or not. So by getting a stay, if in a month the eviction uh, moratorium gets extended, 
they will be able to just continue their lawsuit. They won't have to start over. Uh, and I think that's what they were hoping for with the stay. They said they don't want to waste time and money on it right now in case it's autom there's a chance it might automatically change, uh, but they will be ready in the future. So next one. So this is a Reuters article, The and it came out two days ago. It says, U.S. banks cast wary eye at mortgage borrowers as forbearance period ends. I, did, I put a lot of things about this on my Instagram today because I really went into the details of this article. And it says, U.S. banks are struggling to understand how their residential mortgage portfolios will perform this year because borrower assistance programs during the pandemic have clouded who will be able to pay when forbearance period ends and the enhanced jobless benefits expire. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break from our sponsor, Rent Ready. And you've heard me talking about them lately. You heard them talking about the offers. I even interviewed Ryan Barone in episode 939. So you guys can go back and listen to that to learn more about Rent Ready. But here we go. Looking to streamline your rental property finances this year, tenant management can eat up a big part of your budget. So reducing turnover and avoiding costly vacancies can save you big bucks year over year. Keep a profitable cash flow with consistently occupied units when you use Rent Ready. With Rent Ready, all you need is one software to see expiring leases, list units, screen tenants, e-sign leases, track renter's insurance, send rent reminders, and collect rent online. Rent Ready can help you manage your tenants, increase retention, and keep business costs low. As part of a special deal, Rent Ready is offering our listeners a whole year of Rent Ready for one buck, right? That's what I'm always talking about. One buck, that's right, one dollar, but only if you use our code. So you have to use code ROCKSTAR and sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. If you've got one house, five houses, or 10 houses, and you just want to check it out, I've gone and looked at it. You know, I have a lot of rentals that we own, and, and we were using five or six different software technologies. One to be able to list properties, one to be able to accept money, to create the lease in a different document. We use DocuSign for other things. We had all these different sources, but Rent Ready is doing it all for one. I recommend you go check it out. All right, so mortgage forbearance, we've been talking about it. So back in March and April, a lot of banks said, hey, you don't have to pay your mortgage right now and we'll let you take time off. And a lot of that was set to expire in October where they gave them like a six month stay and said, you don't have to pay any of your mortgage payments for six months. And then when October hits, you'll have to start paying again. Now, some banks were going to add it all up. And if you missed six months in a row, $2,000 payments, they were gonna make them pay 12,000. Uh, others were going to let them tack it onto the back of the loan. Different people had really good situations happen with it. Others had kind of some bad situations happen. It just depended on the lender. They didn't have really strict guidelines for that. But what this article is saying is the tough part was they don't know who did forbearance because it was strategic and that they are going to start paying again, or who did forbearance because they simply didn't have a place to live and they were just postponing eviction or foreclosure. So lenders are bracing for losses, but mortgages stand out because the share of those loans and forbearance has started to creep up. The key difference, the mortgage forbearance program is imposed by U.S. agencies that back the vast majority of housing debt, and it does not require borrowers to show proof of hardship. That's made it difficult to tell who enrolled out of temporary need or extreme caution. That's the big difference, right? So if the people entered you know, the forbearance program out of extreme caution, well, they're going to be able to resume their payments you know, or a temporary need. They're going to be able to resume their payments. But because they, anyone could form and say, hey, I'm having a hardship, but they didn't make them prove it. They're saying they're having a tough time figuring out now who's actually going to start paying and who's not. So of the many millions of properties in forbearance, 
they actually don't have any idea how many of them are going to be be able to catch up or not. It says no one really knows how many of these people who are in forbearance are actually going to be able to recover. Some of the biggest U.S. mortgage lenders, including J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, talk about mortgage trends. The first quarter results this Friday. It says 2.7 million U.S. mortgage borrowers were in forbearance programs as of January 3rd. This was according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. The portion began rising toward the year end, but remained far below the 8.6% peak. So the it's still 8.6% peak in June. A lot of people were in forbearance in June, 8% of all mortgages. Now it's down to 5.5% of all mortgages. And that could be a small percentage, but the but I think in a healthy economy, you've got you know way less than half of a percent of people that are in default. This is those homeowners who remain in forbearance are more likely to be in distress with fewer continuing to make any payments and fewer exiting forbearance each month. More than half the borrowers have requested extensions since October. So that's the other thing. It was all supposed to stop in October. It said, hey, you have six months to not make payments, start paying again. It said more than half of them in October said, I'm not going to start repaying yet. That's not good news. Right. And that's not good news because that's meaning, hey, and, and everybody knows not much has changed. If you were struggling in April and May, you're probably struggling now. The people that were doing great in April and May are, are still doing great now. So the banks are worried about the repayment cliff when those release programs expire. Most of the increase in forbearance requ- requests have come from customers with Ginny May backed loans, MBA statistics show. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's really going to happen. What they're really saying is we don't know what's going to happen. And but we do know when the forbearance period comes to an end, that's when they're finally going to figure it out. So right now they can't predict if 90% of those people in forbearance are going to say, hey, thanks for the catch up. Now I'm going to make my payment. Or if it's going to be a much smaller percentage of people that say, hey, I still don't have a job. Nothing has really changed. And if you aren't going to help me uh, keep postponing it, I'm going to have to leave. The good news with all of that is most of them do have equity, even if they've missed 6, 10, 12 months of payments. Most of them do have equity. So that becomes potential people that can now sell their house. And especially if they haven't been working, they'll be able to sell their house, get some money from that. And the and maybe that helps. So these houses are a giant piggy bank right now uh, when it comes to how high prices are, are raising. The tough part is people having to be ready to downsize, take that equity money to change their lifestyle because they don't, especially the ones that don't have it, that have a house, but don't have a new job yet. All right. Next, the this was an Inman article related to the first thing we talked about too. NAR won't rule out penalties for realtors who storm the Capitol. We're committed to taking action that is deemed appropriate and in the best interest of our association, our 1.4 million members in our nation as a whole. So it said, following a takeover of the Capitol building, the they're not ruling out penalties for any of its members. At least two realtors, Jenna Ryan of Frisco, Texas, and Libby Andrews of Chicago, admitted in social media posts to storming the Capitol. Now, this was in the Inman article January 11th last week. So a spokesman for NAR declined to tell Inman whether they were aware of, you know, of realtors participating in the riot. Both Ryan and Andrews have faced intense backlash from members of the public or other realtors calling for their removal of their real estate license and other disciplinary measures. And so what it comes down to right now is we live in this world of social media where when we go do things, we post it. And the, and now, I mean, those guys were posting selfies as they were inside the Capitol building. And a lot of those guys are now in jail today, or they've been charged with different things today. And so that is one of the pros and cons of social media. Social media is also the ultimate way you know, to hold people accountable or not. But when you see it on there, I honestly feel really bad for you know people not really realizing that their life in social media can then become a risk. 
and that they can, you know, when this is happening, there is so much turmoil going on right now. And when normal people are getting pointed out by it, or now they're, you know, I'm sure a lot of those people thought there was no chance to be risking their career or risking their lives by doing something like that or being a part of it, especially when no one knows the real story along the way with all of those. But the big news of that, NAR won't rule out penalties for realtors who stormed the Capitol. And there's a big article about it and how they're going to be looking at it. So Here's a cool article. This is from Bloomberg. It says Billionaires Row Condo records 51% resale loss in luxury glut. We've talked about this. We've talked about stuff in New York or stuff in the in the downtown city areas isn't doing as well as the stuff outside. You go an hour drive outside New York, the market is booming. Well, this one says a 58th floor apartment at Manhattan's 157 is traded at 51% markdown. The biggest resale loss at the Billionaires Row Tower that was a symbol of the luxury development boom. The 4,483 square foot condo sold for 16.75 million. The seller purchased it from the developer back in 2014, so seven years ago, purchased it for 34 million. So the guy bought the house, for, bought the condo for 34 million, just sold it for 16.75 million at, right in Manhattan. And the and I would say I'm not very surprised, but that is a huge, huge change. And I think that right now there could be some big opportunities in some of those cities for the people that believe the cities are going to come back. It said in 2020 alone, there were four other sales in the building, which the owner realized at least a 40% loss. So five people in that building have sold houses this year at a 40% plus loss. That is what's going on downtown, these luxury apartments. We talked about it before. When you take the amenities out of the city, when the cities are shut down, then living there is not as much fun and there are not as many people flocking to the city right now. Lots of opportunity out there if you believe it's going to come back. So let's see what I've got next. I've just got a couple articles left here. The On the flip side of that, this is an article from Forbes. It says the highest priced Pebble Beach home sale in seven years. So we just talked about sale in New York, 51% loss. This one says Pebble Beach on California Monterey's Peninsula is known for its dramatic oceanfront scenery, its golf clubs at 17 mile drive, two locations are at the top of the desirability list, oceanfront and golf front. The $28 million sale of an estate located at Pescadaro Point, a short stroll from the lodge is a notable example of rare Pebble Beach oceanfront sale home. It's also the second priciest residential real estate transaction in the town. The most expensive was 34 million sale of a home back in 2014. So it's saying it's this $28 million sale is the second biggest one ever in Pebble Beach. And it just happened. And the other one was a $34 million home. So that's pretty wild too. When you're, when you're talking about what's going on in different places, there are some markets that are absolutely booming. And we've seen that Pebble Beach just hit a record, second highest home price ever sold. And in New York, we've got quite the opposite. So down to the last article. This is another one on Forbes. It says eight ways the Biden tax plan could affect your real estate business. Again, this ties into the idea that last week the Senate changed hands a little bit. It became a 50-50 split, but when you have a 50-50 split on voting, the vice president can break that tie. And I believe the vice president is going to do what Biden is hoping to have her do. So eight ways the Biden tax plan could affect your real estate business. Back in you know November and December, I didn't think uh, there was much of a chance that's happening. Now I do. Now, now, now it's seeing more stuff's coming. So here we go. We've got, I'm just going to go through these quickly and I'm going to encourage you guys to go through and look at the articles, but social security payroll tax. Currently employers and employees are taxed up to 12.4% on 137,000 in, in wages. No taxes be, are due beyond that. 
There's a proposal for an additional social security tax for anyone making above 400,000 at a flat rate of 12.4%. So I think that can affect real estate in the higher point, but the, I mean, anytime taxes go up, there's a theory that uh, sales prices of things are going to come down, but it could also affect the way uh, that business owners modify their structures. He's got on here tax bracket for ordinary income, limiting itemized deductions. I think this one's going to happen. The Biden plan proposed the reinstatement of the peace limitation of itemized deduction. Additionally, the tax plans to reduce the effective tax benefit of those deductions from 39.6 to 28%. That's a big change there. So 12% deduction for those earning more than 400,000 of adjusted gross income. The elimination of the peace limitation was a recent change. So it'll be, it says, so it might be a difficult to pass a reinstatement through Congress. We will see. Phasing out the QBI deduction. The deduction was implemented as part of the TCJA of 2017. Currently, if you have an S-Corp, you're allowed to pay yourself with a W-2. And because you're paying wages, you're able to deduct 20% qualified business income on their taxes. Under the Biden plan, the deduction would be eliminated for those with adjusted gross incomes over 400,000. So 400,000, you've got a 20% deduction there that's now getting taken away. That's $80,000 in extra tax, at least income, not, not tax, a gross income basis that is taxable basis. Long-term capital gains, they're trying to eliminate or change. They're trying to change 1031 exchanges. Uh, they have a lower estate tax exemption and a lot of other things that will be happening, I think, with those, you know, as we look at what might happen with taxes. I think some of the biggest change we've talked about, they're going to try to do more affordable housing. There's benefit of that to real estate. Benefit of that to real estate agents, there's an opportunity to find that. They're going to try to create more affordable housing. They're trying, going to try to expand Section 8 programs out there. So there's opportunities for real estate agents and investors in that. But they're also going to be changing the way the taxes are. And the and you know it, that won't necessarily affect the people that are buying one house, but it will impact the people that have you know repeat investor clients or having a niche for investor clients. I have to imagine it's going to change that a little bit. And the people that do represent investor clients right now are already struggling because when prices are trading at an all-time high, investors tend to wait. So lots of news this week. Like I said, a very interesting one. We had some political news out there. We had some real estate news out there. You know, every week I want to try to provide as much value as I can to all of our listeners. I want to go try to figure out the things that I think are important to you and give my opinion on it. And sometimes I have guests with me that'll do the same thing and we will get to, to talk about that stuff for you. If there are other articles or questions that you have, I want you to come find me on Instagram. Tell me if you liked it. Tell me if you didn't like it. Go back and leave a review uh, if you're liking these state of the markets or not. If there's something that we should be focusing on or, or any topics that you think we're missing, we want to hear it and we want to help you. But we're two weeks into 2021. And for those of you that thought 2021 was going to be way different than 2020 or that, hey, 2020 was crazy and 2021 is going to be a lot less crazy. Who knows? The first week of 2021 was pretty darn crazy. So thank you listeners for listening and we will talk to you soon. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I wanna make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. 
The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. And if you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>